0: we can live in the overflow, aren't you? Hallelujah. Uh, I started a lesson, not this past Sunday, but Sunday before that, actually Wednesday before that, and um, we're thankful all of you are here. I think I see Miss Gayla Hurst from Georgia back there. We're always glad when she gets to come and be with us. Lord bless her. In fact, when we were preparing the Mother's Day meal, um, the couple of the ladies said, now remember what Miss Gayla said about how much meat to get, and uh, I think they hit it just perfect. So, Miss Gayla, thank you very much. You're, it was right on uh, target. And um, they had an extra salad, and I got it. And so... I've still got just a little bit left, so don't ask me for it. I've eaten almost all of it. I've shared it with my family. But it, uh, <coughs> we, uh, the quantities, everything seemed to be just about, we were just about perfect. And so it uh, <coughs> it was a great, great meal. We um, started on a Wednesday night about changing our mind. And I first went through, <coughs> and, and it's not, Um, you know, not um, uncommon that we know the mind is a battlefield, and I know people have written books about that, and the mind is important, and it's a key element, and I talked about uh, peer pressure and how (laughs) just uh, being conformed is so easy to happen, when you you do these fun little experiments in psychology we did them in undergraduate work even not even in graduate school where you you uh, get the whole class in on the trick and uh, you give the instructions and you say Uh, All right, uh, point to the longest, write down the longest line. Raise your hand when I point to the longest line. And you get everybody but one. Uh, And so you say, all right, uh, where's the longest line? And you point to it and you point to the second longest line. And it's clear. And everybody raises their hand on the second longest line. And that one last person who doesn't know what's going on will kind of look around and then he'll raise his hand or she'll raise their hand. And you can give the instructions again. Now the longest one, which one is the longest one? And they'll, everybody raises their hand on the second longest and they'll do it again like about 75 percent, about 78, 80 percent somewhere in there uh, will have that sense of conforming to peer pressure. And so it happens. It's easy to get our minds and I I talked about the mind and a lot of scriptures and then I talked about perspective. I didn't have this slide up but it's uh, my mother Taught art for many years and you know there's a two-dimensional perspective and then there's three-dimensional perspective and if you were to look at a box this is drawn on a flat piece of paper but it looks like a cube and and you draw those horizon lines out it goes to a point and you're able to draw roads and streets and draw buildings and it has a a depth perspective to it. And I talked about perspective and the difference between the perspective of just looking at today and the perspective of looking at the future. And and then uh, we read in Titus of being able to see what God has done in the past as well as what the fact that the Lord is coming and how that perspective begins to give you a an ability and a power uh, to do right, to do what is right. When you realize that, you know what, it's not just about living for today, you know, that there is something in the future that I need to plan for, that I need to have uh, for, you know, in fact... Uh, The Bible even uses insects like the ants, how that they gather and they store up food. And why? Because they have a perspective whether or not they see the future. But it's like one day... There's going to be snow, there's going to be whatever, and we're not going to have food, and so we have it stored up. And that sense of, I don't know that they are able to look back, Uh, maybe uh, (laughs) it's sort of uh, born in them that they know that this is what ants do. But it becomes uh, our way of uh, recognizing that we have to be taught, And uh, the Bible said that teaching us that we must be taught to live godly, that the Lord gave himself for us, that's past, and what we're looking for in the future. And then I talked about, I didn't actually put this slide there, but you'll remember uh, the whole sense of our society looking out for number one. And I began to talk about how uh, uh, Gloria Gaynor uh, back in the 70s, early 80s wrote a song, sang a song I will survive, I can make it on my own he walked out on me and I'm telling you I'm able to make it, I don't need anybody I don't need anything, I'm tough and that sense of it's all about me me against the world and yet we have that very sense of, uh, you know, uh, the, I, the, the picture that I put there was a man taking a selfie because our society is all about, does this make, does I like it, does this feel good for me, is this going to benefit me? And we know it's not a unique problem, it's a problem that's gone on all throughout history. In fact, President John F. Kennedy, we all can remember, most of us are old enough to remember when he said the famous line, ask not what your country can do for you, but rather ask what can you do for your country. And that's, that's not sort of where we are in our society and so the ability to recognize i gotta i can't allow this to be about me it's not always about me well i don't feel like going to church i don't feel like praising the lord i don't feel like giving i don't feel like it's not always about me sometimes i do those things because i want to be a blessing maybe i want to encourage somebody maybe i'll see somebody that i can pray for maybe i And I know you're here on a Wednesday night and I realize that I'm talking to the choir, so to speak, in that regard. And yet here we are that, uh, you know, uh, and I read the scriptures in Mark where Jesus was uh, going to tell them how he must suffer. And they, James and John, were so obtuse if you will so out of it so uh, slow uh, not in touch whatever phrase you want to use that that in the midst of him talking about how I'm going to go and die and be crucified and rise again and all that they say hey can one of us sit on the left and one sit on the right and you would think man what a time now to be asking that. that this is not the time this is not the place this is not what you and and yet uh, it made everybody else mad but they were that they seemed to be so selfish or they seem to be so motivated to pour their own interest and I I read and indicated uh, then Sunday morning uh, was this next section that I'm just finishing on selfie or changing my mind looking out for number one uh, just about the Ten Commandments and I mentioned this at the close uh, last, not this past Sunday but Sunday before last how that each of the Ten Commandments are actually, you could rewrite them I know their relationship. They're also, you could rewrite them as being uh, against being selfish. In other words, when it says, thou shalt have no other gods before me, that is about, don't deify yourself. Don't have anything that becomes more important than the Lord, even yourself. And then don't have a graven image. That has to do with self image, because some people say, well, I have a poor self image. I want a better self-image. And yet, self-image is not as important as a healthy God image. It's not about, when you say, well, I have low self-esteem. And you've heard me say, it's not about my self-esteem. It is about my God-esteem. In other words, I recognize that I, without the Lord, if it were not for His amazing grace... And such were some of you. Right. Yeah, well, I feel bad because I was raised, I didn't have this, I didn't have that. Yes, but now you have God who is able to do all things. Amen. So it's not about my self-image and self sitterness And I went through those Ten Commandments and that's where I stopped. So... Changing my mind. Those are some things. First of all, a sense of perspective. A sense of looking out for number one. We covered those two. So we'll try to cover the rest of these tonight. And that, the next one. Is what? Change your mind about money. I know this is on a Wednesday night. We've taken the offering and so you don't have to panic. Not going to be raising money tonight. But uh, Scrooge McDuck, for those of you who are Disney fans, and the other one was old Ebenezer. And that very sense of, uh, you know, how do I, the world's view of money. Uh, And Jesus attacked it, if you want to say, head on. He tried to make sure. It was, you know, that the church, the children of God, changed their mind about money. Money is a tool. You say, "Well, I need more money, more money, more money, more money. I got to have more money. It, I need it." And I've had people say, "Oh, I, you know," and I, I, I was thinking as I was studying about this, a, a young man who. Was passing through Lone Oak 25, 30 years ago, had a wife and two little children, just four, five, six years old, very little, and came and had nothing. He had no money, and my dad, and mom can verify this story. Had nothing, and uh, my wife and and we. Uh, Took him in, tried to get him a place that he could stay temporarily. Came through, he was living in Illinois, coming through and had, had I've forgotten, car trouble, whatever it is. And, and we brought him, invited him to church. They went in. He went into a gas station that was owned by uh, not a man that was in the church, but he was a husband of a woman uh, who was in the church. And the man wasn't in church, but his wife was. and and they called and we did what we could to help them and got them going and he started working for the man that had the gas station found out he was very talented and had a gift of changing large tires he was a big guy, big young man he could pound them, hit them just right man, pop them off the rim and get them back on And so truck tires was uh, sort of his specialty of course any tire and and he made good money somebody came by that worked for Goodyear or something that saw him and they they said, man, young sir, uh, why don't you work for us? And sure enough, and of course he got the Holy Ghost got baptized and his wife his children and they started memorizing the Bible and you know who I'm talking about and and he started making money they gave him a truck, told him hit the highway Interstate 40 came right through Lone Oak or beside Lone oak and so you drive up and down the freeway and any truck has a blowout we'll give you a truck you can change those tires and whatever you make profit and you get a percentage of all faithful to God gave he was involved he came did he was there around church all the time and He stopped giving. I didn't even know it. I I didn't do all of the books. I didn't know know he stopped giving. And I don't know, two, three, four weeks, and he came to me. I didn't even go to him. He came to me and he said, Pastor, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I stopped paying my tithes. I said, oh, okay, what's up? He said, well, do you know that... I would have to pay almost $200 a week if I paid my ties on what I'm making. And I'm slow. And I said, that's fantastic. Because I thought, I can figure, add another zero. He's making $2,000 a week. A guy that we help give him food about three years before wow that's awesome he said well no it's really not because he said no you should not give that to church that much money And I said well I'm sorry you feel that way but to me I would feel great I don't know two years three years went by Something happened, he got hurt, lost his job, moved back to Illinois, thought I'd never hear from him again, and since I've been gone, I heard he came back to Lono, basically destitute again, the church wrapped him in their arms, tried to help him couldn't work at the same job, tried to help his family. Except now, unfortunately, both of his kids are gone, not in church. And I don't remember, accident, something happened. And uh, he ended up in the hospital, I think in Memphis, wasn't it? And uh, ended up dying. Few years ago. Sad story. And and you say, well, is it all because he quit paying tithes? Oh, but I still believe in the blessings of God. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I'm on Wednesday night, and I'm not, you know, I I'm not saying, oh boy, I'm pointing my finger at anybody. It's just that the Lord said, You've got to get a different view of money. It is a tool. I want to I want to be able to give. I should feel good about giving. The Lord loves a Cheerful. Cheerful giver, and you said, "Well, I gotta, I gotta take care of myself." And so that's why the Lord said in Matthew, "Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, thieves break in to steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust nor thieves break in to steal. For where your treasure is." there will your heart be also. And then he goes into the discussion about if your eye is single, the whole body is full of light. If your eye is evil, it's full of darkness. And therefore, great is the darkness. <laughs> and then he says these words, no man can serve two masters. You either hate one and love the other or hold to one and despise the other. And then he puts the phrase, you cannot serve God and mammon or money and then he said don't take thought of life and eat and drink and body and what you put on isn't the life more than all of that lotus, the fowls of the air they don't sow, they don't reap don't gather into barns yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not better than they which of you by taking thought could add one cubit to your stature what that means is No matter how much I think about it, I can't be an NBA center. I can't grow three feet tonight. You understand? Which of you, why do you take thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field. And he says, No one is even clothed like they are. Oh, ye of little faith! Don't ask what shall you eat, what shall you drink, what shall you be clothed. For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you have need of these things. But seek ye first that relationship with God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow will take care of the day of the things of itself. Sufficient under the day is the evil thereof. I want to tell you something. When you are so caught up, and I mention this, most of us buy things we don't mean, need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. And we all have stuff. And too much stuff. And I'm guilty. But I want to tell you something. When you are... And the Bible talks about the love of money. I'll read the verse. But when you are so caught up in money, you know what you can easily fall prey to? Hello, I have a great deal for you. Huh? That's exactly right. I've had people... And I think how did you even believe that for one second people can get taken in and I don't care I don't care who you are I don't care how educated you are I don't care how rich you are and we read it you know in our lifetime Bernie Madoff and you know these people that all of a sudden millionaires billionaires I read one not too long ago where some girl that pretended to be an heiress from France and everybody was loaning her money and bringing her in and whining and dining her then come to find out she from South Vegas or something I don't know remember I, I forgot she was from Germany or something. Came here, wasn't even from France. But she was telling everybody, "Oh man!" And they were, they were, they were giving her money, giving her, having her at parties, doing everything. Found out she's. You say, well, what are you saying? Can, can you ever been fooled? You ever done something foolish? Sure. Can't hardly live unless you've done something foolish with money at some point. You know, I go to Sam's and I look and I think, well, look at these, they're cheaper, I can buy this bulk. And then I throw half of them away and I think, eh, I, didn't, I didn't save any money. Anybody guilty? No, I don't want you to raise your hand, I'm sorry. But we're living in a society that I want More. I want, I want something else. And, and that's why Paul told Timothy, godliness with contentment It's great gain. For you brought nothing into the world, bring nothing out of the world. And we're certain we can carry nothing out. Food and raiment, let us be content. And he says, they that will be rich, Fall into temptation and a snare. When the, when your goal is money, you will fall into a temptation and snare, into many foolish and hurtful lusts, and drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, not money, but the love of money, is the root of all evil, which some have coveted after and erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. <clears throat> and that's why Luke, tells the story of the man that tore down barns and was going to build bigger barns and the whole point of it all was guess what <clears throat> I will say to my soul soul take your ease have, have a good time rest relax I've got, I've got stuff I'm going to have more stuff I'm gonna... and the Lord said tonight your soul is required of you I don't have the power to speak peace to my soul but I want to tell you something whether you have a lot or whether you have a little. If you have a relationship with Almighty God, you are a very rich individual. If you can lay down at night and feel the peace of God and the presence of Almighty God, whether or not you have a $100 in the savings account or a million dollars, there's something that's awesome about being able to know that tonight if the Lord comes back, I'm planning on meeting Him. And so, it is not a question that money is bad or money is evil. Uh, somebody said it's filthy lucre. The Bible says that. I, I've heard preachers, when they get ready to take the offering, tell everybody, get that filthy stuff out of your pocket. Put it in the offering plate. Get rid of it. Of course, then we know it does have a lot of germs and so forth. But it's not, not just about, you know... And I, I again, I don't speak about money as much as the Lord did. The Lord spoke about money numerous times about and, and that He observed it and the widow's might and individuals that gave all that they had and gave a portion and I, I, I commend and I, I say that, and I mean that there are many that give above and beyond their ties, They give building funds. They give offerings, special offerings. They give to people in need and they, they do everything they can. And that's what's so powerful about being able to recognize, you know what, Lord? I am so thankful I can give. I don't know what will happen, but you know what? When you give out, the Lord gives back in. You cannot out give God. Amen. Never will be able to outgive him, so you will be rich toward God. The next thing to change your mind is a sense of recognizing that everything is relative. This is a little experiment that you can do, and it shows a little cylindrical object like a, a piece of pipe. And if you shine a orange light on it from one direction and the pipe is turned sideways, that begins to look like it's a square on the wall. If on the other hand, if you shine the light in the other direction, like the blue light, it will show up as the shadow being a circle. And so you would say, wow, the pipe is a circle. It's kind of like the old story and you may have heard the old story about the five blind men that went to uh, see an elephant. Remember that story? And they put them in a room with a big elephant and the one blind man came out and said, man, elephants are about this big around and they're long and they're like a snake. I, I couldn't imagine that. Another blind man came out and said no 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 they're they're flat and real thin and flexible no one said no you got they're big around you you can grab them and and you hardly put your arms around it's like a tree trunk other blind man came out and said I don't know what y'all went in to see, but they're flat and they're just big. You can rub your arms and as high as you can reach and there's elephant. Down there's elephant. Upside there's elephant everywhere. other one said, what room did y'all go to? They're real thin and have long hairs. (laughs) Guess what? They were all right. They all went in to see the elephant, remember? And they all came out with a different perspective of what the elephant looked like. And there are people that will say, well, you know, truth is relative, everything is relative. I want to tell you something in the beginning was the word. Everything has to be measured against this this is truth yeah. one writer said Paul said follow me as I follow Christ this becomes the thing that we measure ourselves against I don't care what somebody else says I don't care what it, it doesn't matter it's what does the word say the Lord is the author and the finisher of our course we've seen individuals that the doctors say not going to make it and the Lord said I'll just let them live another month huh six months even longer than that and you say well how can that happen because he is the author and the finisher and if he says it's not yet finished guess what it's not yet finished and so you have to make sure you do not allow yourself to get caught up in a world that everything is relative. And I know, you know, uh, the Word was made flesh. We, do, uh, we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father. No man has seen God at any time, only the begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father. And Jesus said, I am the way, the Truth and the life, no man can come unto the Father but by me. So when somebody put tells you, well, it's everybody is going to the same God, it's all relative. You believe like you want, we believe like we want, and it's all the same. I'm sorry, it's not. I'm not saying you need to fight with them and bloody their nose. The Lord doesn't want you to do that either. But just know that this is truth. One place it says, let every man know that you know, everybody else is a liar. If you're outside of this, and, and it is important in this world that we live in that you have something that is truth. I had an individual ask me the other day, he said, well, I don't understand why China would embrace communism and I don't understand why. And I said, well, I can give you a spiritual answer because when you do not believe in the Word of God that the Lord created us in His image and in His likeness, then life has no meaning except to serve the state. And you're expendable. Doesn't matter. And so when you you realize, you know what, Lord, it is not the whole world, you know, and that's why. And we have a hyphen Bible study. You're welcome to come and we teach Bible studies and we'll do that and help. But as... It should be like a newborn babe when somebody comes in uh, and I know we're here on Wednesday night and I'm not as again preaching to the choir but you, you know you always are thrilled I am that when people want to understand the word of God. Why? Because this is what will hold them. Heaven and earth will pass away but this will hold you. That's why David said, "I love thy law, and I'm, it's my meditation." James said, it be a doer of the law, and not just a hearer." Paul told Titus, "I called himself a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness." Goes on to say, for with the faith of God's chosen ones and to lead and encourage them to recognize, pursue the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. That's why, you know, I want to know more about the word. I want the word to touch me. I want the word. Why? Because it helps me know how to pursue after godliness. I want to be more like him. This whole lesson about changing your mind. You say, well, I, I don't want to change my mind. I like my mind the way it is. You, as long as your mind is not as carnal, it's going to be an enemy of God. So this is why we look into the Word of God to say, Lord, I want let let this mind be in you which was in Christ. I want to get your mind. I want to get your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, your thoughts, your ways above mine. And it's difficult at times. In fact, Jude said it like this. Give all diligence to write unto you the common salvation. For it's needful to me to write unto you and exhort you or challenge you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. What does that mean? You're going to have to, you're going to, you say, well, I don't have any faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the I'm going to have to get into the Word. I'm going to have to read the Word. I'm going to have to read some Psalms. I'm going to have to read some Bible. Why? Because I am contending for the faith. And when uh, the bottom's dropping and all Hades is breaking loose. Huh? Huh? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. Yea, though I walk through the... What are you doing? My faith is getting hammered. I'm going to grab hold of the word of God. Faith comes by. Hearing, hearing by. Why? Because I'm getting bombarded well it doesn't matter what's the use of doing what's the use of praying what's the use of going to church what's the use of it what's, what what's the use of it because he said forsake not the assembling of yourselves together he said so much the more as you see the day approaching oh Lord I need the house of God I need why, why are you saying that because I know what your word says so, well how do you No, because there's a lot of different flavors of churches, and I, you know, we say it. I say it in Bible study on Monday night, and said it here, and I'll repeat it. Study the Word, read the Word in context. Don't cherry pick it. Don't take out just one verse. Read the entire chapter. Read it. Know who it's written to. Find the history. Find, and then if I said find two or three witnesses, I mean in the Word. You understand what I'm saying? The mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Sometimes people will take one part of one scripture and they build a whole doctrine on it. And I've seen it. You know, Paul made reference in baptism. In one of the books, I think, Corinthians, he said, "Why you? if there's no resurrection, why do you baptize for the dead? Somebody goes, see, you can be baptized for the dead. But that wasn't what Paul was teaching. You didn't read it in context. He was making a point to the Corinthians, you guys are doing that, but you don't believe in the resurrection. And there's no other verse that says we ought to do that. So, ask your spiritual leaders. Ask somebody that's a mentor. Pray for understanding. If you don't understand it, but I, whatever it is, hide thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not... So, are you changing your mind? I'm trying to. Another thing to do to change your mind. Oops, I went too far. I'll go back. Sorry. There it is. Nope. Nope. There it is. You do that or am I doing it? Nope. Nope. It's a pencil bag. It's a license. I was going to make some up and pass them out tonight, but I was scared. Some people actually think they have one of these. It's called a license to do whatever I want. I turned 18 and so I got my license. They think when they got their driver's license, that's what it meant. I got a driver's license. I'm now legal. I can do whatever I want. (coughs) Those old licenses say, this includes all kinds of stuff. Weird stuff, dorky stuff, freaky stuff, silly stuff, questionable stuff, and normal stuff. Also sleeping however late I want, showing up whenever or wherever I want, doing varying degrees of whatever I want. I can say what I want whenever I want, laugh at my own jokes, pout when I want. I can even floss whenever I want. Nobody can tell me nothing. I'm free. It's all about what I want. Well, that whole sense of it's what I want. Paul. Powerful words in Romans. He said, don't let sin reign in your body. (coughs) Obey the lust. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God. as Those that are alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin? Because we're not under the law. But under grace, and what was the answer? God forbid. And in the 6th chapter and the 7th chapter, about four or five times, he says, God forbid. God forbid. Know ye not to whom you yield yourselves to obey, his servants you are. Whether it's unto death or unto righteousness. But we are no longer the servants of sin when we have obeyed from the heart. That's an important phrase, obeyed from the heart. Why? Because in this hour, to love the Lord with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul, you have to change your idea because society and the world, and that's where we are living, and I hate to tell you this, but you know, it's like, it doesn't matter how God made me, it doesn't matter what I understand, it doesn't matter, it's whatever I feel today everything is fluid I can be anything I want anytime I want however I want and you're like that's not even biblical and I'm not trying to be attacking 7th chapter what shall we say then is the law sin again God forbid I wouldn't have known sin but by the law for I delight the law of God after the inward man. Paul told him in Galatians some of the same thing: walk in the Spirit, don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he goes through a list, and from the 16th verse to the 26th verse, he goes through all kinds of things, and he, that he says are not under the that you are not under the law, but the works of the flesh are these. And he says. They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh. What are you saying? It's not about anything goes. I don't have license. You know, well, I am free and I am able and I live in America and I can do. I want to tell you something. I still have to follow. Yeah. And we're living in a world that is quickly, obviously, (coughs) ignoring God's law everywhere. And you will have to help with your children, your grandchildren, whatever the case may be, because you've got to teach them on some level, I'm sorry, it's what the Word says. It's not about what you want, it's not about what I want. I don't... Confession good for the soul. I don't like to bless people that are <coughs> despitefully using me. Huh? Maybe you do. Maybe you like to just say, Lord, I give you them a blessing. They just flip me off. Huh? I don't like to pray for those. I don't like to have a different godly response. My flesh doesn't like it. Your flesh may love it. Huh? Oh God, help me. I know what your word says. I'm trying. Have I failed? Sure. Will I fail again? Probably. If I have another 24 hours, I'll probably make another mistake. But what I'm going to do is I realize, Lord, oh, forgive me, Lord, I need to get back in harmony with your word Why? Because I am trying to put the mind in me that was in Christ. I'm changing my mind. The next thing you have to change is a whole sense of, oh, it went too fast. That's all right. Wholeheartedness. And I... I don't know how to better describe this than just we have a society that is not totally sold out to anything. You know what I'm saying? And I realize our whole nation has changed. Our whole society has changed. I told you before, my grandfather retired from Esso, Exxon, Humble Oil, whatever, refinery in Baton Rouge. He would push his car past a Texaco and a Phillips 66 for another three miles to fill up before he would put that other gas in his car. He was wholehearted, humble oil, standard oil. I get it. We're not there, I understand. About our whole society is that way. We're not wholehearted about anything. You know, there might be a few diehard Packers fans or OSU fans, but they're few and far between and, and, and getting wholly committed. That's why Jeremiah talks about a time whenever he said, I'm going to put the law on their heart. I'm gonna, I, I want them not to turn from it. I will rejoice over them. I will, I will plant them with my whole heart and my whole soul. And if there was ever a time that we need to realize God is on our side, how much more should we be that committed to him with my whole heart? That's why Jesus in the New Testament would tell them, told the rich man, well, you know, what is the greatest commandment? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love him with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. You must come to God. You must believe that he is. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And you've got to be wholehearted. you have to be totally committed I want the Holy Ghost I want to touch the Lord I want whatever it is I want to be completely sold out and we're living in an hour when it's easy to see folks that are not sold out and that's why we study the faith chapter Moses is a good example he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter, she found him in the bulrushes and yet the Bible says he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy pleasure, the reproach of riches greater than the treasures of Egypt, the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures of Egypt. He had respect under the recompense of the reward. He kept his perspective on the coming reward. By faith he forsook Egypt and not fearing the wrath of the king and endured as seeing him that was invisible. Here's an individual who gave up prestige and power and pleasure and prosperity to go live in a desert. How did he do it? He was that committed to God. And there are people that are here. and There are people that have had Basically, family disown them and walk away from them and know that this has gone on and that's gone on and I have had oh I would rather have God than I would to have prosperity and I can I know ministers and people that have given up Whatever it is, rather than to go through that, to seek that which is invisible. They were wholeheartedly committed to God. Last but not least, and I know my time, it's 8.03. But the last little section of changing your mind. You've got to change your mind about who's paying your wages, who your employer is. Well, I work for SO, SO Exxon. I work for a hospital. I work for the trucking company. I work for... Let me tell you who we work for, first of all. You say, well, I'm a fireman. I'm a, I'm a doctor. I'm a baker. I'm a chef. I'm a construction builder. I work for myself. Uh-oh. I don't work for myself. You don't either. You know who we work for? you got to keep that perspective in your mind. I understand at times, you know, the boss, you know, you have to work overtime and you can't be here. And this happens and that happens. And I I get it. I'm not saying you quit your job the first time it interrupts your prayer life or your church going. But what I'm telling you is that at some point you got to always remember, I'm working for him. No matter what I'm doing. This is why Paul would say to the church at Colossians, he would say, For this cause, since the day we heard it, cease not to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord. All pleasing in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, His glorious power, patient, long-suffering, joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father who hath made us partakers of inheritance and light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, forgiveness of sins. Why did you say that Scripture has to do with your employer? Because... No matter who you are working for and how bad the job is, you have something to praise the Lord for. One day, He called me out of darkness. I don't feel like going to work today. This is what the Lord's provided. Praise the Lord. Lord, You know, I don't, I'd rather be anywhere else. But you know what? I'm so thankful one day You redeemed me. I am so thankful you set me free. And by the way, I'm okay if you give me a better job. I'm okay if you make my boss a little kinder. But I'm going to praise you anyway. Because of what you've done for me. I read the scripture earlier tonight, but no man can serve two masters. You either hate one or... Love the other. Hold the one or despise the other. A double-minded man is what? Unstable. I've seen folks get so frustrated about their work that it makes it hard for them to come in and praise God in the midst of a bad job. Are there bad jobs? Yes. Are there bad employers? Yes. But guess what? Lord, until you give me a better job, I'm going to do my best right now. Why? How do you say that? Because one day the Lord set me free. It's not about what I want. Lord, I'm ready. I'll I'll work wherever you tell me to work. Why? Thank you, Lord, for translating me out of the world... Maybe, maybe my job is to be a witness to that mean, mean boss. Well, pastor, he needs the Holy Ghost, but I—I I don't ask me to be a witness to him. I'm not saying you gotta tell him he's gotta repent and pray through, but maybe it's watching your life watching how you respond to his meanness, huh? I'm not saying you can't look for a different job, but at some point, you got to always remember, who is it that I'm working for? If, Lord, this is the door you open, let me do it to the best of my ability. Do it as unto the... All right? I I tell these folks, young folks, you know what? You go to school, you do it. I don't care if the teacher asks you to write it five times. You say, Lord, I'm doing this not because I'm doing this. is unto you. Why? Because that's who I serve. Huh? Oh, you better serve me. And I've seen folks that are so caught up in I want to please the boss. If the boss came in and said, I need you to lie on your timesheet, well, I guess I have to. Oh no. I serve. I'm sorry. But don't you realize that if you don't bow down, I have to throw you into the lion's den? fiery furnace sorry I work for him if he takes me home I'm not working for you yeah you captured me yes you brought me into captivity but I'm still not here because of what you did I'm here because God brought me this far that's who I'm working for. And I'm sorry. I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to. Oh, hallelujah. Let's stand. Hallelujah.